Aya, Jamin, Akub, Shabatha, Hadajah, Maziah, Kilita, Azerah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. You may be seated. There was an inter-office pool that said he couldn't pronounce all those names. Did very well with those. I had an instructor uh, at school who said, uh, we were talking about just that thing one day in the break room, how difficult at times it would seem that those names are to pronounce. And he would say, hey, just get up there and uh, pronounce them however you want to, but say that with confidence because they don't know how to say it either. And I thought, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So, uh, well done, sir. Well done. You and I find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah as we are stringing along this thread, this scarlet thread of redemption uh, found in the Old and then into the New Testament. If you did not get one of these handouts, there are several back there on the, uh, the podium, on that silver podium. Uh, please pick one up on your way out. Uh, the key words to Nehemiah would be something like rebuilding, prayer, uh, and work. Don't forget about that. Uh, it would have done, really, Nehemiah and the group who went back no, any good to uh, pray about those things, have a, a great desire, and never lift up a hammer. So while they had that desire and while they had that rebuilding, it was necessary that they have work. The key phrase in this particular chapter, or this particular book, the people had a mind to work. As a matter of fact, what we find around that particular phrase in the book of Nehemiah is that the wall was completed in 52 days because the people had a mind uh, to work. Uh, you and I look at this and we see Ezra all throughout. Nehemiah worked closely with Ezra. Ezra is... Uh, the spiritual leader, while Nehemiah is given charge by God to bring the, the physical change back to Israel. Chronologically speaking, Nehemiah is the last book of the Old Testament. I know as you're looking at it, that's not where it falls. But uh, as you and I look at those books in a chronological order, this is the last book. Uh, King Artaxerxes, he was married to Esther. He was the one who gave them the thumbs up to move on and, and go toward uh, Jerusalem. It's these last two points on this particular sheet that I'd like for you to look at and, and contemplate this evening. In Nehemiah 8.8, 8, the law of God was read. This is an interesting idea. This is to say that the nation was read the entire law. This was not a simple process. And it took dedication. We look back at those men and women underneath that old law, and uh, we see the sacrifices that they had to make and, and the counting of specific things that they had to do and how they would live their lives. And we think to ourselves, if we're not too ashamed of ourselves, sometimes we say it out loud, I'm glad I don't live underneath that. 
That seems like a lot of work. And we have somehow, over the past 2,000 years, pulled that over to say, Christianity requires nothing. Because it's not the work of the Old Testament, then Christianity really requires me to do nothing. Both sides of that idea are incorrect thinking. Let me encourage you at this point to grab your Bible, turn to the book of James, and either put your, uh, your ribbon there or a bookmark or put your thumb there. Hold on, we're going to make it there in just a moment. Consider with me for a moment, if you will, Nehemiah 8, 8. You had Nehemiah and those men mentioned in, in, in verse 7 who are expounding the law to the nation. And that's a needful thing. And generally, we look at, since it is the book of Nehemiah, we look at those men who uh, play a, a leadership role in Israel as to what's going on. And, that, and that's a good thing. Don't, don't mis, misquote me on that. That's a great thing that we look at those men. I want you for a moment, though, to turn your eyes to the secondary characters in this particular verse. That's them. Nehemiah is reading distinctly that law. Somebody's having to hear it, aren't they? Somebody's having to listen to it. Someone's having to digest those things. It's not that far removed from the second telling of the law. You know, the book Deuteronomy. It wasn't that far from the first telling of the law. You know, Leviticus. But here it is Nehemiah who is telling these people once again, coming out of captivity, the law by which God expects them to live. What an interesting idea. The law by which they are going to live is being told to them. And they are, out of respect, standing and listening. It's not a simple process. It would have taken several hours. There's a lesson to learn here. Here's what we're going to do. Turn your Bibles to the book of James, where you had your ribbon or thumb or bookmark. And in this assembly, much like the assembly that was found in Nehemiah's day, there are young children who will need to be taken care of. There are also more experienced folks who may not physically be able to do this, but if you are, stand up and hold your copy of your Bible. That's, don't, don't wait. Hey, come on. Hip, hip, hip. And if you are looking on an iOS device, you're a cheater, Chloe Hayes. I want one of them big, heavy, thick Bibles you have to hold. Now, don't do this. Stand up. And let's see if we can do what was expected 
from the nation of Israel, Nehemiah chapter 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfecting work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away, for the sun no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves." For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. 
For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there also come in a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect toward persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressor. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do as they which shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that as showeth no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren? It, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give him not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Sing thou how faith wroughtest with his works, and by works uh, was faith made perfect? And Scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. My brethren, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and driven with fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, Whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. 
Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and bird, and serpent, thing of the sea is, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men that are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But you have bitter envyings and strife in your heart. Glory not, lie not against the truth. The wisdom that descendeth, uh, that the wisdom uh, descendeth not from above is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envyings and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and peaceable, and gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lust that war in your members, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us to lusteth, or that lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law... Thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we shall go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. 
For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and to doeth it not, to him it is sin. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver, silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. And shall eat your flesh as it were a fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of your labor who hath reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the Lord, the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You've lived in pleasure on earth and have been in wanton. You've nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have uh, condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth that hath long, that hath long patience for it, and he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard the patience of Job. And seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, nor by earth, nor by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faithful shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sin, they, uh, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Is your back hurting? My neck is. Legs? 
Would you like to sit down? Somebody be honest. Just shake your head. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. What we just read was a little less than one-fifth of the law given to Moses. Verse-wise, about one-fifth. Would you be willing to stand and listen and apply the law of God if it were read, all of it? If it took, instead of 17 minutes, whatever five times 17 is, that's a lot of minutes. Would you be willing to do that? Hour and a half-ish? That's with no breaks, no stops, no questions. What exactly are you willing to do? Naaman's group that he was with was willing to stand there and listen, not because Naaman was such a great speaker, not because the, the laws are so enthralling, but because of the author. Now, stop for a moment and digest that sentence. Not because of Naaman. Not because of what was written but because of who wrote it. Brethren, there's, a, there's an application for us as we begin to understand the toll that it takes on the bodies to simply just stand. The application here is, what exactly am I willing to do for God? And you have to answer that yourself. Because I don't have an answer for you. I don't know exactly what you're willing to do. You were at least willing to stand up for 17-ish minutes there and listen to God's Word. That's a good thing. You were willing to come back this evening. That's a good thing. You just look at me and shake or nod, and we won't make you put your hands up. Do you believe in the God of the Bible? The creator and the sustainer of the world. The savior of all mankind through the blood of Jesus the Christ. Do you believe in the God that through his spirit would pen the words found within this book that we regard as holy and sacred? Tell somebody. That's all I want you to do this week. Just tell somebody. You know, our conversations about God should not be awkward and weird and forced. That should be those things that we talk about. For us, it's easy. People come to us all the time and talk to us about God, so we don't have any problems striking up a conversation about God. And I don't know what it's like to live and work in a place that's not surrounded by preachers. 
take the opportunity for the respect of the one to whom you stood for so long, listening to his word, and tell someone that that creator and sustainer, that that giver of life and salvation loves them, has a plan to save them, then let them choose. Brethren, we've been tasked with the same job that Israel had. We've been tasked with the same job that Nehemiah was reminding Israel that they had, that we should take the gospel of Jesus the Christ, hear the word of God in Nehemiah to those folks who are lost. Do you know the God of the Old Testament and the saving power of God in the Old Testament was not strictly for Jewish people? Are you sure about that, preacher? Uh, Rahab, do we go further with that? We looked at Jesus, uh, mm -hmm. all those men and women who would see the offering of God and would, would turn to that, uh, that Judaism and would turn to follow after God. There are lost folks that you know of who are looking for God even today desperately searching, but really not knowing where to look. Show them. Show them where it is. Show them exactly where it is. Take the respect that we had just a few moments ago, and I, I believe we still do, for the Word of God and for God Himself, and take it right outside that door. And let it shine throughout the community. And let's represent God this week. Let's do everything that we can this week to teach those who are lost around us about Jesus the Christ. But that only happens first by you being a member of the church. See, it does no good for, for you to not be a member of the church and have not accessed the salvation and say to your friend, I'd like to talk to you about the salvation God offers. And he say, yeah, but you are not even. Do you know the salvation he offers? It's free. The price has already been paid. If you'll hear what he has to say and believe it, if you'll turn away from sin, if you'll confess that Jesus is the Christ, which will be baptized in water, you can be adopted into the family of God. You can be a Christian as plainly as the Bible would teach. It also does us no good if we are uh, in that family of God and not living that way to say to someone, let me tell you about Jesus the Christ. And they say, you ain't got me anything to tell me, fella. I see how you live. I see what you do. If that's the case, come back home. Let me steal a verse from our brother James. As he's making that transition in chapter 1 from verse 16 into verse 17, he writes this, do not err, my beloved brethren. 
Before that, he's speaking about the way man is tempted and how quickly man can fall. And that do not err, my beloved brethren, is for those listening to say, don't think that you're never going to be tempted. Don't think that you're never going to have opportunity to fall and, and very well may fall. Don't think you're stronger than temptation is. Don't think you're better than sin. Don't think it can happen to you. And maybe as you look around, you find yourselves in the middle of what James was telling you to be wary of, and perhaps you need to come back home. So come on, right now while we stand and sing. Would you be free from the burden?